BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, 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 Geek Vibes Nation, to a very special episode of Geek Vibes Live Interview. We have an amazing guest today. Um, before I get into the introduction of him, allow me to introduce uh, the two of us that will be interviewing him. Um, I am Juwan, your host, and I am accompanied by Dane. What's going on, Dane? Uh, just really excited, man. Just extremely excited to talk to uh, this guy that we're about to introduce. Super excited. Super excited. Uh, so without further ado, our guest tonight is a screenwriter, television producer, comic book writer, and a novelist. He is best known as the creator of the television series Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen and geeks out there, welcome Mark Guggenheim. Hey, guys. Um, thanks for having me on. Very good. How are you guys Absolutely. doing? Absolutely. Really, really, really good. Doing great, Mark. Awesome. Excited I, uh, to have I'm, you on. Yeah, no, I'm excited too. This will be a lot of fun. Absolutely. I just want to say before we get into the um, – I'm going to start off the, uh, the interview, and then Dane's going to kind of finish up. Um, I did want to say before we got started, um, it was amazing. I actually met you. Uh, me and my friend Joel met you at Ace Comic Con. Uh, you signed two comics for us. You were extremely nice. Uh, there was, like, a crowd around you, so we had, like, a billion questions to ask that we couldn't get a chance to ask you, so it's really good that we have you on now so we can ask some of them. Uh, but I just want to say it was an amazing experience to kind of meet you, shake your hand, uh, and get those two uh, autographs. Uh, I have them actually framed. Uh, oh, wow. I haven't that's even read flattering. the comics. <laughs> oh, I haven't even awesome. read the comics. I just have it framed, um, making sure my brothers and sisters come nowhere near it. I uh, have the, you know, ready to fight them off if they try to. But uh, without <laughs> further ado, let's get right into the uh, the interview. Um, I'll start off with a pretty, pretty, pretty uh, easy question and one that I think um, a lot of people are, are interested about. Um, with the success of Arrow, I've always wondered, 
um, because Stephen Amell was someone who, uh, to me, this is just uh, from my point of view, was very under the radar as far as when he was first casted uh, for Arrow. Um, wasn't someone that I think uh, a lot of people knew about, but a lot of people know now. Uh, an amazing actor. Uh, can you kind of walk me through uh, the, the the whole casting of, of Stephen Amell? Yeah, I mean, I, well, first of all, I, I can tell you that although I guess Stephen was kind of under the radar, he, he wasn't under the radar that pilot season. Um, we, you know, we've been working ever since the beginning of, of Arrow, we've been working with a casting director, David Rappaport. Um, and David had immediately targeted Stephen. And he, he basically said, he brought in Stephen on a Tuesday. And he said, by Friday, this guy's going to have a show. Um, it, it was just, you know, and this is true, I think, for a lot of up-and-coming actors. There are actors who, you know, they do guest spots. They are, as you say, under the radar. And they're, you can tell when they're just ready to pop. Like, you can tell when, okay, you know, these, these guys or these, these women have been in enough, you know, um, you know, enough guest spots or enough, like, you know, failed pilots or whatever – and you just know, okay, they are just waiting for their moment. Um, and, and that particular year was really Stephen's moment. And uh, he was the very first person that David brought in uh, to show us. Um, he is the first actor to audition for any part on Arrow. Um, so it was kind of like, you know, there's nowhere to, there's nowhere to go but down, quite frankly, once, uh, you know, once Stephen walked in the door, because it was so clear that, it was, you know, that the role was for him. I mean, he was perfect for it. Um, and, you know, the moment he, you know, uh, gave his audition, we were like, okay, well, now what do we do? Like, how, how, do, we, how do we keep him from uh, getting, you know, cast by another pilot? You know, how, how do we make sure that when that Friday comes around, uh, we're the pilot that he's in? Because, you know, it was pretty apparent that he would be in a pilot. Uh, you know, his talent was that obvious. Yeah, no, I, I listen, I have fallen in love with, with Stephen Amell um, as not only as a person, everything that he does, but as an actor, just just what he's done with the character of, of Oliver Queen. I mean, I remember one of the first times I even knew about the, the, the Green Arrow at all was from Justice League Unlimited. So mm-hmm. it wasn't until I kind of saw the, the show to where I was like, whoa, there's a whole nother kind of, of you know, Oliver Queens where he's not this jokey, quippy kind of guy. Um, it, it's more serious. It's more grounded. Um, the acting all around, the writing and everything was just perfect. So it made me kind of want to dig deeper into, uh, you know, other tellings of, of Oliver Queen. Um, so it kind of goes into my, my, my next question. With the success of just, the whole TV superhero universe that the CW has built Um, from season one of Arrow. Did, did it ever occur to you that you guys could launch something bigger um, than just that show? Like you guys could build a universe uh, from, from the success of Arrow. You know, I, I think in hindsight, Greg Berlanti, saw that possibility a lot sooner than everyone else did. Um, you know, and I say in hindsight, because I don't think, you know, I wasn't talking to Greg about, you know, expanding the universe. Um, I only sort of realized, you know, like I said, in hindsight, that this was something that was kicking, you know, that he was sort of kicking around. And I think, I think he had said to Andrew Kreisberg during the middle of season one, that, uh, he wanted to do a flash series. Um, 
you know, I think, you know, I will say, and this is a little bit of a digression, but, I, you know, there's all this talk these days because of the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, there's all these talk, you know, about, well, we're going to create this universe or we're going to create that universe. It's going to be on television. It's going to be in features. And I think what everyone sort of loses sight of is what Marvel did and, and, in, and quite frankly, in retrospect, what we ended up doing, which is, you don't start off trying to create a universe. You start off just trying to create one good show or one good movie um, because that alone is hard. Um, <laughs> and then, then you slow, very slowly build those, you know, build those pieces that allow you to expand it into a universe. Um, and that's, you know, with Arrow, quite frankly, look, you know, Greg and I had just come off the experience of doing Green Lantern, which, you know, was not a good experience. Uh, and the end result was, was not you know, uh, anything we were proud of. So we were, we, we weren't even thinking about it. We weren't, we were not only not thinking about a universe, we weren't thinking about a series. We were thinking about, let's just get the pilot, right? Like, let's just make a pilot that doesn't suck. Um, and then, you know, once we did that, I was like, well, let's make the second episode and make the second episode not suck. And it was, you know, it, those, that first season of arrow, it was really hard. I mean, it, it was very, very difficult to get that show right, and uh, we were just so focused on that. Um, it, it, you know, like I said, it, it certainly never occurred to me that the show would spawn, been off, much less a universe. Um, and I think it wasn't until you know more than halfway through the first season that Greg started to even contemplate another series. But you know, even another series, like I said, is still different from a universe. It's just one more, just one more series. Um, and then, you know, and then along came Legends and along came Supergirl. And uh, suddenly, you know, suddenly it's like, wow, there's a lot of superheroes here. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I will ask you, uh, the, it's part of the same question before we move on to uh, another question. Um, how much fun was it for you with the idea of, like, as soon as the, the green light was, was given – that you could, um, you know, that Flash was, was going to be something that was going to be made. How much fun was it incorporating just Barry Allen uh, into, I believe it was the second season of Arrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, 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 in those early days, everything was so hard. I don't really recall anything being quote-unquote fun. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> everything was like, uh, everything was still a real challenge. And, you know, introducing Barry it, the challenge with introducing Barry wasn't about introducing Barry. Um, it was about introducing superpowers into the Arrow universe. Um, you know, because we always said, and you can go back online, you know, because everything lives online, and see interviews where Greg, Andrew, and myself were like, no, no superpowers, no superpowers, no superpowers, totally grounded. And, you know, obviously once you decide to do the Flash, it's like, okay, well, I guess there's superpowers in this world. And the question, the very legitimate and serious question is, well, how do you do it in a way that, that does honor the grounded nature of the show, that does feel like it belongs in this grounded world that we've now created? Um, and that was, yeah, that was, tr- I, again, like I look back on and and think less in terms of it being fun and more in terms of it just being really challenging. Yeah, I could definitely see that. But I will say the way Barry was introduced uh, into the world was still very grounded and, and, you know, he wasn't really using powers uh, when we first saw him. That's true. So, you know, all those elements were still there and still true. Um, you know, it quickly changed uh, not that long after, but 
you know, Arrow stuck to, uh, you know, being grounded and all those, all those things, uh, even introducing Barry. Uh, I will say I geeked out like crazy uh, at the sight of seeing Barry Allen uh, interact with Oliver Queen. It, it was amazing. Um, I, I will say one of the biggest questions everyone in Geek Vibes Nation, I know everyone that watches Arrow has for you uh, that, that I'm going to get into there has been almost, I want to say, at least once, maybe every season of Arrow, or maybe every other season, a mention of Bloodhaven. <laughs> and every time I hear it, I just go, I feel like there is a certain hero that is attached <laughs> to Bloodhaven. Um, right. So I'll ask you, with the mention of Bloodhaven, uh, as much as we've gotten it in the, uh, in the history of Arrow, is there a possibility we'll ever see Dick Grayson? You know, I've learned, you know, over the course of doing this for six years now, never to say never, um, but uh, I have learned to say it's extremely unlikely. Um, (laughs) You know, you've got the Titan series that's being developed. You've got Gotham. At the end of the day, there there are other shows that have a much, you know, stronger claim to Dick than we on Arrow do. Um, So, uh I I would not uh, I would not hold my breath. I I tell you 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 guys drive me insane. We had a mention of Bruce Wayne on Arrow. And it's just like <laughs> yeah. oh man, we want so many Hal of these Jordan. characters to be able to Hal Jordan. Yeah, we want so many of these characters to come together, and it's just like oh, why won't you guys just just let Mark Guggenheim have all the control, give him all these characters, and let him just. Ex- Expand upon, you know, the fact that Oliver Queen could stumble across Bloodhaven and run into Dick Grayson. Like, that would be so awesome, so awesome. Well, um, I, yeah, it would, no, it would be totally fun. You know, I mean, it, look, I, at the end of the day, it's, you know, the the conversations about which character you saw on which shows, it, it, they, they really sort of begin and end with uh, Jeff Johns. And I have a good relationship with Jeff, and I, you know, Whenever I want to use a character, you know, he's he's the person I call. Um, can't say with with you know, uh, I, I can't say with with any honesty that he's ever denied me. I mean, he's always said, "Yeah, go ahead, use that character, or use that, you know, use this character." Like, you know, it, it's very, you know, it, the largesse that DC has shown us. Because at the end of the day, these are their characters. The largesse that they've shown us, the generosity that they've shown us, uh, you know, an arrow is is pretty remarkable. Um, so, you know, I I look at the glass as as more than half full. Um, and I also, you know, I also recognize like, you know, if I was the you know showrunner, say, of Titans, you know, I'd I'd probably want Dick Grayson all to myself, at least you know in the early going, um, just to use that as an example. So, um, you know, while while it would be fun, um, I, I looking back. Uh, we, you know, Greg and I, we never, ever imagined that we would see this many, you know, superheroes uh, on television, you know, in this little Arrowverse that, that, you know, we've built. It's like, it's really kind of remarkable. Even by the end of season one of Arrow, we were like, I, we can't believe it. We introduced Slade Wilson. We introduced Roy Harper. We introduced the Huntress. We we had no plans, no plans whatsoever to introduce those characters in the first season of Arrow. Um, those were all like pipe dream characters. Like, oh, maybe we'll get to them eventually. You know, if we ever get a second season, if we ever get a third season. Um, so we've, we've put more characters on these shows than we ever, ever imagined. Um, it, it always surprises me. 
Yeah, no, as a fan, uh, you you know, uh, we always want our cake in to eat it too. But, you know, we, we are really grateful of the characters that we do have established in the CW. It's just what drives us crazy is when we get those little teases. We're just like, all right, cool, we'll be patient, it's coming. And then it's like, oh, wait, it's not coming. So it Yeah, does, that's it true. I guess that's true. I never, I never thought about it that way. And you're absolutely right. We have just totally been a total tease here. Um, that's very that's – very, uh, we, we do it because – not because it's fun like we're trying to, like, goose anyone, but we do it just because, you know, we, we fundamentally are fans also. And, like, you know, right. for example, like when Oliver's in Coast City – it's like well, you, you gotta see a guy with a bomber jacket, you know. It says Jordan on it. You just have to. I mean, you know. Um, so it's it is fun, but yeah, it never never occurred to me that we're in some cases we're setting up false expectations. Yeah, just just a little bit, but I mean, honestly, it's more so on us because, like I said before, we want our cake and to eat it too. So I mean, you guys haven't come out and said, "Hey, there's a chance you guys could see how Jordan." So it's just the you know, once we see the tease, we then take it and run with it. Uh, so I wouldn't blame you guys at all. I actually want to thank you for all the amazing characters that we have uh, in the CW that I know a lot of us comic book fans never thought we'd even see uh, on a television screen at all. So, you know, we're definitely thankful uh, on those characters. One of the characters that I was really excited about um, that I'm really hoping your answer is something very positive to, to what my hopes are um, I was a huge fan of Artemis from Young Justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that was the only telling of Artemis. Um, I could be wrong, but I believe that was one of like the only tellings of Artemis um, at that time was from Young Justice. And they did an amazing job with that character. Um, so my question to you is, we didn't really get to see that much of Artemis uh, from last season. Uh, what are the possibilities that we could see Artemis come back? Um, I don't know if it would happen in season six, but uh, the the possibility is always out there, um, you know, and, we, you know, we we love that character. And, you know, uh, it's funny, just the other day I was thinking about Evelyn and, you know, you know, being like, wow, you know, really, you know, never, never sort of showed what happened, you know, to her, you know, on Leanne Yu after episode 523. So um, it's, it's something that's, you know, it comes up in the writer's room, it's on our minds. Um, you know, it's funny. It's like we've we've got this wealth of characters now after six seasons of, of Arrow where, you know, like we're always looking to get Huntress back on the show, like always want to get Jessica DeGao back on the show. Um, and it, it's a funny thing. It's like you would think with 23 episodes a year, you know, we, we would have all the time in the world to like, oh, we're going to tell a story with Evelyn. We're going to tell a story with, with you know, uh, Helena. Um, you know, we're going to tell this story. We're going to tell that kind of story. And yet when you start to get into the season, the episodes fill up really fast um, in this really unexpectedly odd way. So what happens is, you know, you may have an idea to like do a Huntress episode or do an Artemis episode. And it keeps getting kicked down the road, kicked down the road, kicked down the road until suddenly you're writing the season finale and you're like, Oh, we never got to that story. Um, You know, but we, you know, like I said, 
with with 23 episodes each year and, and the fact that you know we don't seem to uh you know have a cancellation looming <laughs> knock on wood in the near future um anything is possible and you know we, we would love to you know that that that's you know evelyn's definitely a character who who comes up in the writer's room quite often um and usually that's a pretty good indication that eventually we'll get around to you know return you know revisiting that character that is exactly the answer I was hoping for, um, because I did want to kind of see that character grow more into into her own. So I was just like, oh, man, like the, the island blew up, and then when season six started, we kind of saw a lot of what happened to majority of everyone on that island. She was really the only mm-hmm. one uh, that we didn't really get a clear uh, picture or, or story about what happened with her. So I was just like, Hopefully that means, you know, maybe she did survive. Maybe Slade grabbed her and took her with her, with him. Um, you know, just a whole bunch of different possibilities. Uh, speaking of Artemis, though, and the idea of possibilities going forward, um, I, I have to ask you, because I love these characters on Young Justice also, um, any possibility maybe next season or maybe somewhere down the, down the line? Because I see Arrow being on for, like, at least. 16 more years. I need it. Uh, I love this cast way too much. Um, uh, is there any possibility we could get a sportsmaster in Cheshire, uh, you know, uh, major villain team up or anything along those lines with those two characters? Um, I, I can tell you that we have had very specific conversations with DC Comics about one of those characters. Yes, that is so and awesome. That's a, that's a, that is as much as I'm going to say. I was just about to say I am not going to press it any more than that. Uh, Dane can speak to this. I've been begging for these two characters to at some point. And then when you guys introduced um, Artemis last season, I was just I remember telling Dane and, and, and Joel like, yes, we could be getting either Cheshire or Sportsmaster at some point soon. Cast Ray Stevenson, he'd be an amazing Sportsmaster. <laughs> um, You're right. <laughs> So just putting that out there, um, you know, that would be an amazing casting. But you saying that one of those characters was even being discussed or even thought about is enough for me. Uh, (laughs) I'm just geeking out tremendously about that. Um, So thank you for that. Uh, I will ask this, though, kind of going into this season and how – can I just say really quickly before I even ask my question, I thought last season was one of the greatest, um, you know, superhero – seasons like ever ever it had so many twists and turns it, it it hit you in so many different ways it was just so well done and I was just like man how are they going to top that great season you know entering season six and you guys definitely found a way to do that this season oh, wow. thank you. is amazing I oh, love thank this you. season um just as much as I love last season uh so one of the things that's been racking my brain um is there any chance that we could get an Oliver Dinah love angle. Um, I don't think so. Uh, I, look, I get it. I understand why you're asking because you know Oliver's the Green Arrow and Dinah's the Black Canary, and uh, and Green Arrow and Black Canary are together in the comics. Um, but we, you know Oliver is now married to someone who's not <laughs> the Black Canary or ever will be the Black Canary, um, and. I just don't think there's any desire on our parts to tell a story about Oliver cheating on his wife. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely understand that. And the main reason why I was asking, it wasn't even necessarily uh, just because of the comics. I just, I love when um, those two characters are on screen together, uh, the, the two actors that play, that play those characters. I just love when they're together. Yeah, they're really they're fantastic together. They they really are. And, and, I mean, I will say right now they're like really hating each other. Not the actors, yeah, the characters. Uh, the characters yeah. really really hate each other right now. So um, that's that's probably the other pretty significant impediment. Um, uh, uh, you know, to to getting them together is like right now they they would just as soon kill each other as kiss each other. Exactly, exactly. But we do know in in the whole comic world the more aggression two characters like that have towards each other usually means (laughs) the best love stories blossom from it. But no, I I completely understand where you're coming from. And and you definitely don't want to kind of go down a a storyline of Oliver cheating on, on his wife at all. I I completely can't think of a quicker way to get the internet to hate me more than it already does. (laughs) And that's really saying something. No, no, I, I I completely understand where you're coming from. And honestly, again, it's it's the fan base wanting the cake and to eat it too. Like just sure. be glad that we have uh, Black Canary on this show at all. You know what I'm saying? So you know, just yeah. just be happy with that. You guys have done an amazing three job of them. with the character. Yeah, <laughs> we technically have three of them if you think about it. White Canary. Yeah, oh my God, we got more uh, Canaries than we know what to do with. Um, exactly. Which is kind of amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think it, it's funny. It's like you could right now you could field an entire show off of. You know, you you could fill off an entire show off of the Canaries. Like you could just just do, you know, like Katie Lotz, Katie Cassidy, and Juliana Harkavy. Like I'd watch that show. That's great. You know, that's a great. Absolutely, cast. absolutely. Um, actually, sign me up for that. We need like a, a a little short, maybe like eight episodes of just that. Uh, I, yeah. I I'd be down for that completely. Um, another question I'm having because Oliver has in this season has not only had to burden being the mayor, but being a hero. And now I'd say his toughest job, more so than being a hero, is being a dad. Um, And one of the last episodes that we we saw, William is kind of wanting to be a part of this world more so than he should. Um, So the, the, the dying question is, is there a chance we ever see William or, you know, in the near future, try to step in the, you know, uh, you know, walk in his dad's footsteps of becoming a hero. You know, it's funny, that episode that you're talking about, um, you know, which was uh, 613, um, there was a moment that was scripted, and we shot it. It just did, it didn't work, so it, it didn't make it in the cut. But basically, in, in that moment, uh, William is in the lair with Oliver at the end of the episode, and he looks over to where the bow is, and Oliver sort of sees him looking, and goes maybe when you're in high school, um, oh, which man. which was a lot of fun. It just unfortunately the moment just it just didn't it just didn't play on camera um, the way uh, you know we felt it needed it to in order to justify being in the cut. Um, but uh, you know maybe in the deleted scenes on the DVD. I'll be buying that DVD to see that deleted scene. <laughs> that gave me chills a little bit. Um, last question before I pass it over to Dane. Thank you so much for asking all of my uh, geeky out there questions. Oh, no, of course. Love it. Um, will Diggle possibly go through what Roy Harper did in the comics? Um, and somewhat on, uh, I think I, I think what I saw at last was Young Justice more so than, than the comics. 
um, with his arm. We see, you know, that he kind of found uh, a way to make the pain and everything go away for now. But is there a possibility that that could come back into play in a major way? And we maybe see Diggle kind of uh, walk the same lines that Roy Harper did. And uh, I- I'll go with Young Jets. Right. I'm with you. You know, I'll tell you, the uh... – the well, sorry, the the chip in his arm it, it definitely comes back into play in in six fourteen. Um, the question of like it's funny. Uh, David Ramsey asked me, "Hey, am I going to lose an arm?" Um, and <laughs> you know, here's here's the fundamental here's the fundamental problem with that, uh, which is it it's really expensive to chop off to digitally chop off limbs. Um, it means, you know, we've got to outfit, you know, we'd have to outfit David with a, a green sleeve and digitally remove it and digitally replace it with a mechanical arm if we were to go that route. And it's just, it's a cost that the that a television show is not really, um, you know, it's not really equipped to handle. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I think truth be told also, if we were going to do it, like if we were to, if we were going to, you know, find the money and, and do it, I, I would, quite frankly, I'd, I'd sooner have Colton Haynes come back on the show and chop off his arm uh, and be, you know, and, and be, you know, consistent with the comics. Um, so, uh, you know, again, I never say never, um, but uh, I think if we were to do it, um, I, I'd much, like, if, if we're going to, you know, if we're going to undertake something as technically challenging as that, um, I'd rather do it in service of Roy's character, you know, and be true to the comics than do it in service to, to Diggle. Absolutely. I completely understand that. Uh, we definitely need Roy back. Can't wait to see that play out on the screen. Um, but, yeah, I, I had to ask because as soon as I saw it, I was just like, you know, because, you know, Roy's not back um, on, on a permanent basis, well, as, as, of, as of yet, um, maybe that is an angle that they could go with uh, for Diggle, but I completely understand <laughs> your reasoning, and I appreciate that you would rather stick closer to uh, the accuracy than to kind of just build this in for someone else. So I completely yeah. love and respect that. Um, well, again, uh, thank you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no problem. I was just going to tell you. Um, you know. Uh, you know. In the show, uh, Arsenal basically, you know, Roy gave his costume to Thea so that Thea could become Speedy. Right. So when we had Colton return to the show, um, you know, his character, spoiler alert, is going to go out into the field, but he doesn't have a costume anymore. So the look that he is, you know, rocking for those action sequences, um, I think he'll be really pleased. It's it's very true to the comics. Chills again. Listen, this is, <laughs> this is sending me into a chills overload. I cannot <laughs> wait. I need, I need this small break to hurry up and be over so we can get some more Arrow episodes going. Um, yeah, well, I, 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 I like the break because I don't want to be up against uh, the, the Olympics. Listen, I'd rather watch Arrow over the Olympics uh, any day. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, but thank you again for answering all my questions. I do not want to take all the time away from Dane. So okay. let me pass it before I ask you another three hours worth of questions. Uh, Dane, take it away. Yeah, Jawan wasn't kidding about that uh, Sportsmaster thing. I think he tells me that once a day, Mark. So, I love um, that character. I mean, I'm a big, you know, big no. fan of that character. So, um, you know, it, it's uh, I get it. I get it. it look, like I, like I said, we're we never like we just we never thought that we would ever get to do a lot of these characters. I mean, almost all these it's characters. Incredible. It's crazy. Um, so you know, it always it always. Uh, 
you know, just it always surprises me in many ways. Like I'm like, really? Are they, you know, are they letting us get away with this? Are they not letting us do this? I can't believe it. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing. Yourself? I do. Well, it's funny. Like, I, you know, when we did the crossover this year and we had literally all the superheroes that we've got to date on the, you know, on the bridge of the wave rider, um, you know, it was like, uh, you know, I sent a picture of it to Greg Berlanti and I'm like, what have we wrought? Like, how the hell did this happen? Um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, but it's, you know, it's a dream come true. But like I said, we're, we're fans first also, you know? Absolutely. And, um, I just, everything that you and, and Greg and, uh, and also John's have, have achieved with this, it's pretty amazing. Kind of what you're saying, uh, ties into my first question. Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of characters and you kind of established a little bit with Jawan and you kind of said like Jeff Johns, you have a good communications with him on using characters, but to an extent, maybe you can clear some stuff up. I don't know. Uh, but like, you know, obviously Batham's Batham, Batman is tied into Gotham. Um, and you've been able to use super Superman, but like Desmond wonder woman, obviously on the show, uh, you know, you have Titans now, so Dick Grayson's going to have a, a chance to be on there. And there's also rumors, and I don't know if they're true or not, Mark, uh, stuff is put on the internet that, you know, Slade might not be coming back due to uh, what goes on in the movies. My question to you, does it become frustrating, even though that you have this arsenal of amazing characters, to kind of be limited, though, with like characters like Deadshot and Deathstroke on your CW universe from the movies – when I, I think you guys have established a more flourish universe uh, in the first place. Uh, and I know there's no competition, but I'm just saying, you know, it must be a little yeah. frustrating on your end. It, you know, honestly, it really isn't. And it goes back to what I was saying before, which is I'm just grateful for the characters we are using. Um, and I certainly, like, you know, I, I feel like it would be so disingenuous and, uh, and unfair of me to sort of stamp my feet and go, well, you've given us access to all these characters, but I want even more. Um, you know, that, that just, that doesn't feel consistent with being a good partner, um, you know, to me, if I, if I were to do that, like, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a big universe. Like I said, it's their characters. We're just borrowing them. Um, and, you know, I, I totally respect and appreciate the fact that the management of all these characters, the management of this IP, there's so many different factors that go into these kinds of decisions that I'm not even privy to. You know, it's like, it is so far above my pay grade, um, you know, to, you know, to, to know the machinations or to think about the machinations. So, you know, no, I, it, it, I mean, it probably sounds like bullshit, but it's, it's, truly sincere like i you know i'm really am just happy with all the characters that we've got um you know do i always want more sure do i always like want certain characters you know like yeah it would be fantastic to have manu back on on arrow as as slade wilson but i can't say that you know it it ever rises to the level of you know frustration for me because like I said, it's like the glass is so much more than half full here. Um, it, it it feels. I guess if I were to get frustrated, it would feel very greedy. You know. Um, yeah. You know, it's, we have such an embarrassment of riches uh, to complain about. It seems. Uh, it just it just seems wrong to me. Uh, so so no. I mean, and also like, you know, the the movie universe. You know, you're right. They're they're going about it their own way, um, and they've got you know, sort of their own system in place. And like I said, they've got, 
there, like I said, there's a lot of corporate decision making. And, and, you know, even though, like I said, like, you know, my conversations about the characters really begin and end with Jeff Johns, it's not just solely Jeff's decision. It's like, there's like, there are CEOs and company presidents yeah. and, and all manner of people like that are, you know, that are involved in this. Um, and I'm, you know, at the end of the day, and this isn't false modesty, this is just reality. At the end of the day, I'm not even, you know, the showrunner of the other superhero shows. I, I, I'm just responsible for Arrowhead Legends. So, yep. you know, Superman, Supergirl, above my pay grade. You know, characters of Flash, above my pay grade. Um, you know, I've I've got, you know, just the two shows that I'm, you know, responsible for, and that keeps me plenty busy. And um, I'm I'm actually quite quite glad not to have the responsibility. No, uh, that makes a lot of sense, and it's it's great, and I completely believe you uh, on you being humble about it. It just, I think, and I mean, I'm sure uh, you've gotten this from the fans a lot. We loved Manu Bennett's performance as Slade, oh, and um, we loved it's having him best. back for those episodes. No, oh, it was honestly like it was such a such a gift for us, and it's always great to have him. I mean, here's the thing, you know, this is the other reason why I I can be you know somewhat sanguine about this, which is things change. Like there was a period um, after season three where again, you know, Deathstroke was going to be in the Batman movie, and DC was like, no Slade Wilson on Arrow, um, and then they changed their plans and that opened up a, a window for us to have Slade Wilson and Manu on the show at the end of season five and in the two episodes in season six. So because things have changed over the years, uh, I can, you know, I can basically go, okay, well that's the situation right now. Like right now okay. they've got plans for Deathstroke, but I also know that none of this stuff is ever written in stone. Things do change because uh, they already have changed. Um, so I'm very content to just sort of wait, <laughs> you know, and, and oh, yeah. uh, pick, pick my spots, you know. Absolutely, and that makes complete sense. I mean, honestly, and this is not to sound selfish, I don't want Manu Bennett coming back, but if I had a choice, since you guys have a multiverse established and Greg's doing a Titan show, I would love Manu Bennett to show up on that show as that Earth's Deathstroke and interact yeah. with those characters first and foremost. Um, oh, because I be love great. him on Arrow, but that would be obviously a great place for Manu to like, you know, really get to know the whole Deathstroke character because he he seems he loves uh, performing as it. Um, but uh, let's let's go back to your first series, uh, Eli Stone. Um, it ended before the story could be completed. Are there any plans to bring that series back or possibly finish the story in a film format to some extent? You know, unfortunately, no. I think, you know, too much time has passed. Um, you know, the show wasn't considered a quote-unquote success. Um, you know, I, I we, we did have four unproduced scripts uh, at the end of the day, and there was a time way, way, way back when, when I was talking to Marvel actually about adapting the uh, ad adapting those unproduced scripts into a comic book. Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I think if Eli were to have another life, uh, it would probably have to be a, some, some type of reboot situation um, where it was, you know, it, it was reconceived as a movie or something, uh, which, you know, could be totally cool. Um, I think, I think the problem, you know, quite frankly, the, the problem at the moment uh, with that is, ABC Studios, and which means Disney, owns Eli Stone. Uh, Greg and I do not own it. So, um, you know, and right now, you know, 
Greg and I are, are not involved with Disney. So um, I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, but I, I just, you know, I, I, I love the fact that people still talk about the show. I love the fact that there's still love for the show. Um, and, you know, again, I've learned, I've learned never to say never, um, you know, crazier things have happened. Yeah, that seems like it's going to be a reoccurring theme tonight, but I agree with you, and I really enjoyed it myself. And I had to ask, um, another stuff, uh, you worked on shows like Law & Order and CSI. Um, from what you've learned writing for those shows, do you have any plans to maybe do a film or a television show in the world of law enforcement? Oh, good question. Uh you know, I would love to. I mean, look, I love I love that arena. Um, I wrote a movie for Robert Downey Jr. a number of years ago based on the Perry Mason character, um, and that was a blast. That was, really? you know, it was period. So it was, you know, 1930s, um, but you know, had a, a courtroom drama element to it. Uh, and that was a blast to write. Um, so it's funny, like, uh, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about it since until you asked the question, but I don't get asked to write a lot of uh, features with a legal component. Um, Perry Mason's kind of the only one I can think of. Um, so yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I love, I love writing, uh, legal dramas. Um, it's what I grew up on, uh, you know, watching them, you know, watching LA law and picket fences and law and order. And, um, I love writing it. So yeah, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of crime shows as well. Uh, in the heat of the night, and um, I can't uh, believe all the, the ones I watched. Oh, that yeah. was a great show and a great movie. Um, Terrific. Yeah, you, you and Jeff Jones, you guys have a good relationship. Um, have you been approached, possibly by him, to either write maybe a DC cinematic film or even possibly a comic book or anything like that? Uh, you know, we've talked about doing a comic. Um, you know, I actually met with Dan DiDio last year at C2E2 uh, to talk about, you know, taking over a book. Um, you know, I, I've, quite frankly, my comic book plate has just been so busy in the last year. Uh, I, I really only have the bandwidth to, to really, I mean, truth be told, like, to really write one comic at a time. I, I say that even though I'm technically writing like the equivalent of three comics right now because X-Men Gold double ships and I'm also doing Swords of the Swashbucklers. Um, but, uh, you know, at the moment, there's just no, there's no sort of room in the queue for a, uh, a DC comic. But I've totally, you know, talk, I've talked to Dan and, and Jeff about doing a DC comic, uh, and it would be fun. I would, I've written for DC before. Um, I really like those guys and, uh, you know, maybe, you know, uh, down the road, uh, you know, there's no gig lasts forever. I imagine I'm not going to pull a Claremont and write X-Men gold for the rest of my life. So, um, you know, so when something opens up, uh, it would be fun. Yeah. And even, um, uh, you didn't mention it, but the film aspect, like possibly the booster gold movie that your, uh, your good friend Greg's supposed to be doing sometime soon in the future. Yeah. I don't know what is going on with booster gold. Yeah. Look, I would love, uh, nothing would make me happier, quite frankly, than to write a, a superhero feature film, you know, for either Marvel or DC, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, no one's asked, um, you know, so, mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've written a bunch of movies for Warner Brothers. Actually, Perry Mason was a Warner Brothers movie. Um, and, you know, so I, and I know all the guys over there. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know, wait, waiting for the phone for ring. All right, someone call Mark right now. I'm serious. It'd be so um, cool if my phone and, rang right now. 
<laughs> that would be really weird, actually. Uh, It'd be cool. You, you mentioned, yeah, it would actually be awesome. Um, you mentioned X Men Gold, um, and obviously you kind of answered this that you you you're you have a lot going on. But if you had time, um, are there a certain title from DC or Marvel that you'd love to tackle? Uh, yeah, you know, um, I've never really done like I've written Batman and and Superman for DC, but never really done a run. You know, they've always been closed end stories. Uh, so doing a run on either of those books would be really a lot of fun. Um, I would love. I always say to Marvel, like I, you know, I, I once Charles Sewell goes off of Daredevil, I would love to tackle Daredevil again because of my, you know, my legal writing, my legal professional and my legal writing background uh i would i'd love to get my hands on matt murdoch um i've you know uh i've really it's funny recently i've really been jonesing to go back to um to go back to uh wolverine the original wolverine but he's currently dead so uh it's a little hard um (laughs) but uh i i did you know that was sort of what really got me my start in comics was writing wolverine and and that was a lot of fun and uh, and I've got an idea for another Punisher story, um, but again, I've been waiting for you know bandwidth to open up to even pitch it to Marvel. I got you. That makes a lot of sense. You're an extremely busy guy. Um, all right, uh, with Black Lightning being such a success, um, how long do you think it'll be before an inevitable crossover with the rest <laughs> of the Arrowverse? You know, again, this is a perfect example of one of those uh, glad it's above my pay grade kind of questions. Um, I got you. Know, you. I, I think, you know, it's also at the end of the day, not only is it above my pay grade, but truth be told, I, I really think that that's a decision that first and foremost, Celine, the showrunner and creator of Black Lightning, that's really up, in my opinion, that's something that he should decide. Like, you know, no one should decide that for him. Um, you know, he's got a very clear vision for his show, which I think is really, really cool. And I, I love the fact that it's so different from the other, you know, four superhero shows on the CW. Um, I, I, you know, if, if you were asking me, like, you know, how should things work, I would say he should get to decide that. Um, and then okay. we, we sort of go from there. I will say, you know, that, that said, that here's the selfish part of me. The selfish part of me is they shoot in Atlanta. All the other superhero shows shoot in Vancouver. The logistics of any kind of crossover would be such a nightmare. Um, you know, you basically have like, you know, 3,000 miles separating the two productions, uh, two sets of productions. And um, I, I don't relish the idea of doing that. Uh, so, Celine, say you don't want to do it, man. Just, just don't do it. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, we, we, you know, the thing about the crossovers is they're always really cool, but they're always really difficult. So, you know, the the fanboy in all of us, you know, ends up winning out. Well, speaking about fanboy, my God, this last crossover was incredible. Uh, seeing all those characters there and the cinematic f- uh, fight scenes that you guys were able to pull off, I just, I understand that you guys probably get a, a good budget for the shows, but. <laughs> you guys, between King Shark and the crossovers, you guys have implemented that that budget uh, outstandingly. Like, how how do you do it? Just basically, I mean, I guess I guess in a monitor, you got to figure out like what episodes to take stuff away from to be able to do stuff like King Shark. Is that correct? And Gorilla Grodd. Yeah, we we get some additional money for the crossovers, but truth be told, it's never enough. Um, and we're always sort of carrying that overage. Uh, 
it's down through the remainder of the seasons for all four shows. So it, it's kind of, unfortunately, the crossover from a budgetary perspective is this gift that keeps on giving. Um, you know, so it's, and, and each show, you know, sort of figures out its own way to make up for the shortfall. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's worth it, you know, because we're, you know, we're all really, really proud of the crossover this year. We, you know, we're very, very glad that everyone seemed to have enjoyed it. Um, you know, the, and, and the way we approach it is, is it's really quite frankly, the way we approach the pilot of Arrow and, and really has done everything since, which is we basically write the version we just we just write the version we want to see. Um, we write the version that is completely, you know, completely devoid of any budgetary concerns. Um, you know, we we basically don't think about whether or not we can produce it. We just write the ideal version, and then once we've written the ideal version, that's only the point that it's only at that point that we face reality, which is, okay, well, we don't have a feature length. We don't have a feature budget. So, um, and we don't have a feature length schedule. So, you know, there are realities that, that intrude. How do we, you know, how do we then, you know, get this in some kind of, you know, scheduling and financial box that is achievable and that, you know, it's a, a painful process of picking and choosing and killing all your darlings. But, I believe that because we start from a place of incredible ambition, that's how as much that ends up on the screen ends up on the screen. Um, we end up, you know, filming a lot more from, you know, at the end of the day, because from the very beginning, we've started out with these crazy outsized expectations and outsized ambitions. Um, if you, you know, sort of like if you don't swing from the fences, you're not going to hit a home run. Um, so, uh, and, and there's also like little things that surprise you, like production wise, you go, well, wow, we thought that would be really expensive, but turns out it's not, or wow, that really is expensive, but here's the savings we weren't expecting. Um, and you know, there's, there's a, there's a certain amount of luck involved, but there's also just a lot of, you know, hard work and elbow grease and, and, you know, creative accounting, uh, that, that goes into it. Well, the digital effects are incredible, and they speak for themselves. And uh, I have to admit, you had my 34-year-old ass crying. Uh, spoiler warning. And I, I would hope that my community has watched the crossover, but just spoiler warning, when Victor Garber uh, died on the show, like, completely, you know, sobbing, like, you know, grown man tears. It was uh, pretty incredible, so I appreciate that. Well, thank you for thank you for saying that. Thank you for watching it. It's yeah, that was that was look, I think Victor and Franz both, you know, they just crushed that. I mean, they just completely killed that whole moment. And, and it really is kind of devastating. And you know, it's that's a scene that was written very long and um, you know, the scene in the cut is for for a TV for a network TV show, that that scene goes on for a very long time. You know, we, we were kind of violating this unwritten rule that says that you don't have scenes this long. Um, but you know, Victor and France were so fantastic that I think we only ended up cutting like just a few lines of dialogue. Um, and it really wasn't for time. It, it was just because we noticed that certain lines of dialogue played better without other lines of dialogue, which is often the case. Um, so you know, the scene just it. it even though it's long, it, it wants to be as long as it is because it's just so, you know, it's so rich and, you know, difficult to watch. Absolutely. I thought it was very well paced for a long scene. Um, all right. Last thing before I let you go, because I know you're a busy, man. I appreciate you uh, talking to us, obviously. 
This is more of a me to throwing a concept at you that I've had in my head. And since I'm talking to Mark Guggenheim, I might as well just tell you about it. I don't expect you to finalize this or tell David Rappaport about this. But there's a character in the Arrow uh, comic universe um, that there's been many people that have said is impossible to bring to the small screen, big screen at all. He's only, he can only be achieved in the comics, including the creator, Kevin Smith, which you guys have worked with, uh, called Automatopoeia. Huh. And I say that's not true, that you could definitely do him. And I just have a combination. I want to just throw your way and see if, if you like this idea, basically. I think that if you got Ray Park to do the physical performance for the <laughs> character and kind of like move and stuff like that, and then you got Michael Winslow from Police Academy to do the <laughs> vocal performance and then maybe shoot it from his perspective so it's like that 60s Batman bang pow type of stuff, maybe Sin City-ish, and you kind of go back and forth. I think you could achieve that character very easily, and people don't give credit to that character. But just wanted to throw it out, yeah. You know, I tell you, ever since, I mean, literally since day one of Arrow, we've been talking about, you know, doing onomatopoeia. Um, and, and truth be told, like, we've never been, we've never felt like you can't do him live action. Um, you know, uh, I would say that, you know, it's it's he's that's one of those characters. It's funny that's one of those characters that still remains on our bucket list on Arrow, of like okay, you know, eventually we got to do it. Um, so, you know, I, again, I never say never. We've we've it literally, it literally that character literally comes up every year. Um, in fact, you know, back in season one, um, there. Uh, I'll tell you, no one no one knows this. This is a secret. But there's an Ooh. episode. Uh, I forget, it's in the 116, 117 range um, that J. August Richards played this character. We ended up scripting him as just Mr. X, but um, originally, in our original, original conceit of that episode, um, that character was on my path. Well, all I'm saying is I don't think I'm the most creative person on the planet, especially compared to you guys, but if for some reason you want to use any of those ideas, Go for it. I will just enjoy watching it on screen as it performs. Yeah, no, but, um, believe me, I, I, it, it would be a shame if we, you know, if, if at whatever point uh, Arrow ends, uh, it would be a shame if it ended without us having done Anamapia at least once. Yeah, he's a very, he's a very interesting. He's kind of like a Deadpool meets Snake Eyes character, and just oh, yeah, completely no, off the wall. And he's got a great look to him. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of there's there's just so many different reasons to use that character. Well, yeah, I just uh, I Juwan went a little bit of fanboy on you with the uh, Ray Stevenson thing, so I had to throw that <laughs> out there at the end. But um, hey, Mark, we're we're really appreciative to have you on. Uh, we'd love to have you on again, especially after the season of Arrows done and Legends, yeah, so we can talk more about fun. them. Um, before you go, uh, do you mind doing a drop for us? Sure. I, I don't think I'm that, uh, that hip with the lingo. What's, what's a drop? Okay, so a drop would be uh, we're going to use your voice at the beginning of shows to make people think that we're cool, basically. Oh, well, okay. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you're using the word cool correctly, but okay. No, 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 no. Definitely, definitely cool. Um, but basically just say, hey, I'm Mark Guggenheim from whatever you want to state, and you're listening to Geek Vibes Live. Okay. Uh, for, uh, okay. So uh, let me let me sorry. Let me let me think so I can not sound like a total idiot here. Uh, um, okay. 
Um, hey, this is Mark Guggenheim from Arrow and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. You're listening to Geek Nation Live. Thank you very much, Mark. We appreciate you coming on. Like I said, if we can get you back after the uh, seasons are done. Oh, um, yeah, that'd be fun. You'll probably, you'll probably be a much more relaxed individual, but we can't wait to talk to you again. God, I hope so. Uh, I, I really <laughs> hope so. <laughs> cool. Well, that'd be fun, guys. I would enjoy it. Absolutely. Right, Thank you Mark. so much. Cool. Thanks a lot. Good luck. Take care. Well, that wow, was a very dang. fun interview. That was amazing. I am in cold sweats right now. Wow. That was amazing. So many great scoops, so many great just little tidbits and and things like that. And listen, I know he couldn't say it, but he loved our our pitches that we gave to him. I'm just going on the limb and say he loved it. (laughs) He loved your onomatopoeia, and he loved uh, my Ray Stevenson as um, uh, Sportsmaster. I'm going to just go on the limb and say that. Uh, But – it was an amazing interview. Thank him so much. Uh, thank you so much, Mark Guggenheim, for joining us. Can't wait to have you back on. Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow has finished. Uh, and a huge thank you, Dane. Thank you so much, Dane, for uh, accompanying me on this ride. Uh, we were super nervous, but we did an amazing job. Hey, we nerded out, man. Both me and you pitched casting ideas to Mark Guggenheim. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely. And he didn't shoot them down. He, it seemed like he really enjoyed He geeked them. out with um, us. Absolutely. So, guys, this is what happens on geek, with Geek Vibes. We give you guys great interviews, great episodes. Um, please make sure you guys are checking out Arrow when it returns from its very small break due to the Olympics. And before we go, I want to give a huge shout-out to um, – Kanan, who put together this interview. Thank you so much, Kanan. And stay tuned, guys. Next week, not tomorrow. Next week, we are looking to get you guys that interview that we have with David Mazaz from Gotham. So, again, thank you, Mark Guggenheim, and thank you, Dane. And we will see you guys, um, I believe, this Saturday for Top 10 and Sunday for Geek Vibes Live. Yep, no Wrestling Geeks Alliance this week, guys. Uh, We got Black Panther tomorrow. Absolutely. <laughs> so stay tuned for our That's Black Panther, uh, our Black Panther wrap up this Sunday, um, and top ten where we will be going over the top ten greatest superhero villains in movie history ever. Uh, so stay tuned for those two amazing things, and we will see you guys this weekend. Peace out, people.